in ESPN. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. And we're getting you set tonight with all the wagering and fantasy information you need for the NBA, MLB, golf. Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Bet LA with Anita Marks right now. Welcome into Bet LA here on 710 ESPN. Anita Marks with you as, uh, of course, the Lakers and Denver Nuggets game two has come to a close. Uh, we're still going to do a deep dive into the broader picture in regard to this series. Also, we're going to take a look ahead to uh, to the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics game two coming your way uh, tomorrow. So uh, really excited about the show. Uh, we've got Andy uh, Kamenetsky, who's going to be joining us momentarily. We're also going to hear from Eric Moody. So a lot of NBA talk in our first hour. Greg Rashinsky, the puck daddy, will join us to talk some hockey. We're also going to get you ready for some PGA championship as well as some Preakness and boxing coming your way on Saturday. Haney going up against Lomachenko. But first, let's bring Andy in. You can hear him locked on Lakers, co-host, of course, locked on network. You hear him quite frequently here on 710 ESPN. So, Andy, you know, just an unbelievable... Let's start with the season, right? I mean, like, you know, this is a Lakers team. Um, You know, they struggled through the season, and of course they go out and they wheel and deal at the trade deadline and thoroughly improve this roster in this team to now we're talking about a team that came in just, you know, just trying to get in, obviously, uh, through the the play in game and and I it, it was it was touch and go there towards the end of the regular season, and now we're sitting here in one of the final four still remaining. Uh, you know your, your thoughts on the additions that were made and how this team was trained was was changed so so dramatically, and and what you think the keys are to those that were added as to why now uh, the Lakers are one of four still standing. Well, the pieces just fit now much better. I mean, the the Lakers began this season with a roster that I think was constructed about as well as it could have been given the constraints that Ralph Linka was working with. Um, Russell Westbrook's contract representing $47 million worth of player and he himself not being a particularly easy fit alongside LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, from there, you're only working with a mid-level exception, taxpayer mid-level exception, and veterans minimum contracts. I think Rob Palenka did about as well as he could have, but the problem is the roster still did not really make sense. It still did not have the type of balance and skill set matching that you really need to compete at a high level. And the moves that Palenka made, beginning with sending out Kendrick Nunn and a few second-round picks to the Wizards for Rui Hachimura really began this process of just transforming a roster that ended up including uh, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, um, Mo Bamba, who unfortunately has basically been injured since the Lakers acquired him, sending out Russell Westbrook, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Damian Jones, Patrick Beverly, the, the skill sets now are just matched 
way better. Um, you've got far more spacing um, around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You've got a lot of skill players. Um, and I, you've also seen, and this is something that I don't know if Rob Polinka could have predicted or not. You know, you do your homework in terms of player personalities, and I, I don't remember off the top of my head who with any of these guys Rob Polinka ever represented in his former life as, as an agent. But the personalities on this team now are very well matched as well. They, they seem to develop a pretty close professional and personal bond really quickly. They seem to very outwardly enjoy playing for each other, with each other, and they seem to really embrace this challenge of, okay, we now have a roster that makes sense, but we are really under the gun. You know, the Lakers spent about 80% of this season below 500. We've got a real challenge to put ourselves just in the play-in mix, much less actually make the playoffs. And they ended up having to do this for a big chunk of that time without LeBron James, who was dealing with a foot, uh, foot injury. They really... I think embraced what was essentially a playoff atmosphere and a playoff mentality since around mid February. And it's, it's been pretty remarkable, even as somebody who on paper really liked what they did, it was pretty remarkable to see them overcome these type of obstacles and put themselves in the place that they're at right now. It's it's just uh, the season has just been so amazing, um, and and I just I thoroughly enjoyed uh, watching that Golden State Warriors series and 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 seeing how significant you know and and it's not no disrespect to, to LeBron James right but like uh, playing more of a facilitator like you know again this is a gambling show and so you know playing the over in uh, assists and rebounds was a cash cow in that Golden State Warriors. Uh, game now you know in 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 that series now matching up against the Miami Heat LeBron James has such a huge size advantage in regard to the guys that you know that, that Denver is bringing to the table for LeBron and so now uh, you know that changes a little bit and now I'm, I'm probably going to go to the window in regard to over points uh, for LeBron James how 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 bad you know somebody who's got their finger on the pulse of this team better than most Andy how bad is that foot injury like you know let, 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 let's say you know this this series goes the distance hopefully uh my mouth to the nba god's ears uh the lakers win advance and and you know go up against either of course uh, the heat or or the boston celtics um you know how confident are you that this foot is going to last that is going to go that distance i mean it's, it's hard to know you know i unlike uh whoever this mystery doctor who LeBron described as the LeBron James of feet is. And if, by the way, if I were this guy, I would want LeBron to reveal me. I would not want my identity to stay hidden. I wouldn't want everybody to know that I'm the guy that helped guide LeBron towards still being able to play and being in the Western Conference Finals. Because he said, I think, I think it was two other uh, foot specialists, maybe maybe more, told him that he should shut this thing down and have off-season surgery. I wouldn't be surprised if off-season surgery looms. This is, this is not based off any sourcing or anything like that. I'm just thinking about what LeBron has dealt with, what he told us, and I guess what feels to me like a little bit of common sense. 
But for the time being, he's managing to play through this thing, I think, pretty well. Like, I mean, you can feel the, you can feel the effects of it. You can see it. It's hard to know how much of that is specifically the foot versus he's 38 in season 20 with a billion miles on the odometer. You're not supposed to be playing at LeBron's level anyway. You know what I mean? Like what, what he's doing is this incredible, frankly, unprecedented exception to the rule. So it's hard to know how, you know, where the natural attrition begins and the foot situation ends. But, you know, he's got, I guess, 12 more games max of this um, that, that he absolutely has to work his way through, if possible. It feels to me like he will be able to figure out a way to make it work unless, unless he ends up in a situation where he exacerbates it to the point where essentially you need to have surgery right now. Like, like you're not going to be able to walk on this foot. You need to have surgery. You know, people may recall he began this process in a walking boot. You know, unless something that extreme happens, my sense is just he'll be able to figure out a way to make it work because he's been able to figure out a way to make it work this long. I'm sure it is a serious process, but LeBron is as great at, managing and monitoring his body is really any athlete I've ever seen. Listen, he's, he's, he's got all the money in the world. And a lot of times, you know, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think people who don't people who don't work in our industry understand like, you know, there's, there's the 3% of the athletes who make a gazillion dollars, right. Whether it's on uh, their court or on their field. And then of course, endorsement deals and they're eating, you know, the best foods and they have the best trainers and they have the best doctors and they've got all the best of everything. Um, and so obviously, uh, you know, he's, he's being so well cared for. Um, but it, it definitely is, is so impressive in what we're seeing. Um, I, I, I do want to go back. I think game one was really, really interesting. I just, I see the series being, played very much like a chess match, right? Like uh, Denver comes out and they just, you know, at some point in time, I would imagine that, you know, people just turned off the game after uh, the first half, right? Because they, D- Denver was so dominant. Jokic was so dominant. You got to commend the Lakers for coming in and switching things up. Hachimura, putting Hachimura defensively on Jokic and having AD play that second defender. Um, you know, you your your thoughts on on Jokic and and how how much of uh you know do you do you feel that that's gonna be the way that that this Lakers team is it as as Jokic goes that's the way that that's the way that the series is gonna go. I do like the moves that they made. I, I really, really commend the Lakers. I know they didn't lose, and for a number of reasons, you want to, you know, LeBron James with the turnover and whatnot. But just the mere fact that they came back like a Herculean effort in the second half was so impressive. And you know what they were able to switch up defensively, they may have found uh, that elixir. Well, I mean, in all honesty, uh, the idea of using Rui at times to, to body Nikola Jokic, I don't think it was that surprising at all. It's something, I mean, not to make myself sound like some type of Oracle or genius, but 
on the Locked on Lakers podcast in a couple preview episodes, we had this was something that we discussed them likely doing because it honestly feels obvious because they don't have really many options to defend Jokic outside of Anthony Davis. And in a perfect world, I mean, obviously AD is going to spend time in this series guarding Jokic straight up because he has to. Um, but you don't, you don't want to make him have to do it an entire, basically as a primary assignment for 40 minutes a game, in part because it can be very taxing. You can be concerned about foul trouble. But also, too, AD is really at his best defensively when he can be at, at his versatile best. And that means being able to protect the lane. It means being able to occasionally switch out. It means being able to come in for weak side blocks as a help defender, all those different things. And when you are guarding Nikola Jokic, that is, that is your assignment. There's no multitasking that goes along with that. You are on Jokic, that's it. And Rui is one of the few guys on this team that I think is actually, you know, he's giving up size and height and strength and weight and all that because everybody on this team is against Jokic. But Rui's a pretty strong guy, and defensively, he is at his best when he's in a more physical assignment. Um, Part of the reason he didn't play as much against the Warriors wasn't even that he didn't play well. It's just that's that's a difficult assignment for him with that many guards having to chase around that many screens, things like that. It's it's just difficult. So I thought Rui was, to be honest, a pretty – obvious option at some point really the surprise was that Darvin Ham opened with a three-guard lineup that to me was actually the surprise it, it wasn't how he went about sort of moving around the pieces during the game I just thought the opening was like frankly a bad surprise um, with that being said, uh, before we let you go, I'm, I'm curious to get your, your thoughts on the Eastern Conference championship that's, that's taking place right now between Boston and, and the Miami Heat. As we know, the Miami Heat, um, now they took care of the Bucks. They took care of the Knicks. They won game one against Boston. They've won game one in all three of those series, by the way. Um, so two-part question. Number one, who do you have coming out of the East? And last but not least, who do you think matches up better against the Lakers if the Lakers get out of the West? I mean, it's feeling really difficult to bet against the Heat and specifically against <laughs> Jimmy Butler, who, like, you know, there's that meme that goes around whenever, like, a player has a really good game and it's an X-ray uh, of a human rib cage and it's revealed that there's a dog inside the rib cage, like, you know, he's got that dog in him. <laughs> And I tweeted out at Cam Brothers. It feels now like the meme should be a dog's x-ray with Jimmy Butler in it. Because that guy is so good in the playoffs. Like, you know, in, he's a good regular season player. Don't get me wrong. But I think he paces himself to some degree in the regular season and truly not just saves his best for the playoffs, but he's actually able – to seemingly summon this stuff on cue. Like, he's kind of like the Robert Ory of all NBA caliber players. You know, like, Robert Ory was famous for being able to hit these massive shots during the playoffs while, you know, being just a solid role player during the regular season. Jimmy Butler is obviously at a level higher than Robert Ory as an overall player, but 
I can't think of too many players of his stature that raise their game that much higher consistently during the playoffs, as opposed to guys like Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, you know, LeBron, whoever, that just are really good in both the regular season and the playoffs. Um, it's pretty remarkable. Um, you know, Boston on paper, I think, is the better team. Um, you know, they're, they're much deeper. They've got more skill. Um, but they're also more inconsistent, you know, and, and they have, I think, a more difficult time closing out games, you know, finishing strong. Eric Spolstra is, I think, the best coach in the, in the league. And he's not just, a, it's not just the tactician part of it. I think Eric Spolstra is the best in the league at reaching his players and really just getting the most out of whoever he has at his disposal. He's shown time and time again that he's really good at just bringing out the best in his players. So it's like on paper, Boston should win this series. In reality, it feels to me like Miami is going to beat them you know it's only one game in so it's hard to gauge too much from it but Miami made a real statement in the second half against Boston in game one as far as who matches up better again my inclination would be Boston against the Lakers just because they have more good players and you know they've got Robin uh, Robert Williams who I was about to say Robin Williams Robert Williams <laughs> who is you know a really good uh defensive player in the post. Um, you know, they, they've got Al Horford, who is quite good um, defensively as well. They've got, they've got all these different wings that they can throw at LeBron or D'Angelo Russell, or Austin Reeves. But again, I, I feel like I have more confidence about Miami getting to the finals. So, you know, who's to say? It's, it's going to be fun to see how this all plays out. Andy, thank you so much for spending some time with us this evening. Really do appreciate uh, your time. Thank you. Absolutely. Make sure you tune in to uh, Locked on Lakers. And again, you can hear Andy uh, throughout uh, the airwaves here on 710 ESPN. Kicking off the show strong, we're going to continue to talk some NBA. Eric Moody will join us on the program and we'll continue to talk some NBA. Also getting you ready for game two of that fun. Boy, is it going to be fun. That Heat Boston Celtics series next right here on Bet LA 710 ESPN. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. Welcome back to Bet LA. Anita Marks with you, and Eric Moody joins us now to talk some more NBA. You see him all over Daily Wager um, and joins me on our Bet, Bro- Bet broadcast as well, talking all things NBA. So, Eric, welcome in. Uh, first things first, we've got the Lakers going at it with the Nuggets. Uh, who would have thunk that a team like the, like the Lakers, uh, just trying to get into the, the postseason, a few weeks back, a few months back, is now sitting as the final four. With that being said, uh, let me call up some of the futures bets. We talked about it just a little bit earlier on the show. Nuggets to win the championship plus one fifty, Boston plus one fifty, Lakers five to one, Heat eight to one. I'm sure some people feel there's value with the Heat. Uh, any <laughs> any love for the Nuggets or the Lakers in regard to winning the championship? I know you and I have talked. I'm all over this Denver Nuggets team. I have been since day one. But nonetheless, uh, what are you eyeing here in the futures market? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at the Nuggets. So you know, I, I am a huge fan of the Nuggets and what they've been able to bring to the table. And I know whenever we chatted, uh, maybe what like a month a month or two ago, we were talking about this Lakers team after the trade deadline. And you know, I love the additions that they made, uh, and they're obviously had some success in the postseason. But I look at this Denver team; uh, they're, they're so deep, they're well rounded, and they're really one of the top offensive teams in the league during the regular season. That's obviously transferred uh, to the postseason as well as the Lakers in the postseason. Their defense, you know, has been phenomenal. But just look at how well rounded and how deep the Nuggets are and the way that Nikola Jokic is playing, I would make that futures bet on them to uh, win the title. So I would say the Nuggets and the Lakers are very attractive. I do like Boston, but just given how up and down that they can be, I do have some concerns. You know, what has been, you know, and, and we've seen this Lakers team, you know, obviously get get make their way to the Western Conference Championship. You know, what has been the most impressive thing here with this Lakers team for for me it's 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 AD it's Anthony Davis and and, and mm-hmm. what he's been able to do uh, not just offensively especially in that Golden State Warriors uh, series but but defensively as well what's been what's been the most impressive thing for you in regard to this Lakers run in the postseason yeah I would say really the most impressive thing uh, to me Anita is really just how this team has gelled and come together in a relatively short amount of time like I mentioned a moment ago about the the trades. Uh, that took place uh, before the trade deadline that really transformed this team that was really built around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So just seeing how quickly that they've gelled uh, offensively, you know, the defense has really stepped up. But also I've been really impressed uh, with the coach, you know, Darvin Ham, just how I I think probably my biggest takeaway is that I like the adjustments, you know, that that he makes, you know, during the games or during the game and in between the games. And because of that, I'm just like, those are some of the things that really, I guess that I would highlight with this Lakers team that are really impressing me right now. Yeah, uh, it's this This is definitely going to be a fun series to see how it, it, mm-hmm. it does all play out. Uh, we've got a game tomorrow, the Heat going up against the, the, the Boston Celtics. The Heat won game one, 123 to 111. The Heat has won game one. In all its series, against the Bucks, against the Knicks, and of course, Game 1 against the Boston Celtics. Game 2, tomorrow night, the Heat getting 9, and um, and the over-under is 215.5, which is really surprising to me because yes. they were they were only, quote-unquote, only getting 8 in Game 1. They won Game 1. Now they're getting even more points. They're getting 9 points in Game 2. What say you, Eric? How are you, how are you playing a side or a total here? Yeah, it's a lot that I that I like about this series that I want to talk about here with you. But from a betting lens, you know, I would end up betting on the Heat to cover the spread. I was shocked, you know, just like you mentioned, by looking at the the size of that spread. I also like the over uh, on this game as well. So just looking at the Celtics, though, Anita, I'm like, you know, they were what one game removed from their um, you know best performance of the postseason, and then they ended up getting steamrolled by. Uh, you got to give it to the Heat. I'm like, this is a mentally tough uh, Miami team. So we're going to talk about Jimmy Buckets. I mean, Jimmy Butler. And he does have a history <laughs> of elevating his game during the postseason. Like, this is a guy that had 35 points, five rebounds, seven assists, six steals. First Heat player with 35 points and five steals in a playoff game. And the second career road playoff game with those types of numbers, too. Joining, uh, you know, a player you may have heard of, Michael Jordan, like with multiple road playoff games with those types of stats. But I look at the Heat and the role players. They came up huge in game one. Turnovers ultimately crushed the Celtics uh, in the second half. I believe they had 10. 
and just the heat. They just came out on, on fire, no pun intended, uh, obviously in the uh, in the third quarter. Uh, looking at the Celtics, though, I'm like, this is a talented team. You know, when you look at the roster, Marcus Smart had a solid performance. Just didn't really show up in the second half. They need to get him more involved. I do like Robert Williams, his return to the starting lineup. I think he's someone for the remainder of this series could pose a problem for the Heat, you know, as the Celtics uh, implement their uh, double big lineup uh, from last year. Uh, so I really like seeing Williams and Horford on the floor together. Uh, when you look at their net rating, it's really high when those two players share the court. Uh, I was surprised to see Boston miss as many free throws as they did. I felt like, because they ended up making, uh, they were 22 for 29. And you're just thinking about how they lost that game by seven points. Down the stretch, things could have been different if they just made like a few of those. But I'll leave you with this, and I'll kind of pass it back to you, Anita, is that you look at the Celtics. Um, if they fall to 0-4 versus the Heat in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, they went on to lose like two of those three previous series. So I do look at the Celtics bouncing back, but this is a Heat team that's mentally tough. They're going to keep it close. So I do like the Heat to cover again and also the over in this game. Those are just some thoughts. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm with you. Um, the Boston Celtics are 0-4 in playoffs games decided by seven points. Mm-hmm. Marinate, marinate in that for a minute. Yeah. And you're telling me and you're telling me I get the heat at nine and they've got to feel really they've, they've got to be coming into game two with some crazy swag uh, after the way that they finished and came back and, and what they were able to accomplish in the second half against Boston in game one. Mm-hmm. So uh, three point shooting. Uh, this is another thing that I don't think enough people are talking about in the regular season. The the Miami Heat. 27th in the NBA in three-point shooting. In the postseason, top five in yeah, the NBA. They've been crushing it. Top, crushing it. Top, top, they made 16 three-pointers in game one, shooting 51 point, almost 52%. Almost 52%. So, um, I just, I, I'm, I, it, this is a head-scratcher for me. I, I just, I don't quite, I don't know, could, could they, could they, uh, have that mentality like listen we, we already we already accomplished we already we already set out what we what we plan to accomplish and that's to take one from boston at home so that now we have home court advantage uh, but but here's the thing you know we know tatum could go off at any time and put up 50 he's just that good i just i don't know if that is and and i and i highly doubt that that is the mentality considering that this is a team coached by eric spolstra right mm-hmm. and and yeah. pat and pat riley uh from mm-hmm. afar so I just, exactly. you know, just I, I don't I don't feel that, that the Miami Heat are going to lay down here. Do you? No, no, I don't. Uh, like I mentioned a moment ago, this is a mentally tough team. They're battle tested. They're playing with house money at this point, you know, just given their seating uh, heading into the postseason. And so they know that, hey, this is a Boston team that we're talented enough to to beat. But I think the more important angle to take with this, Anita, is that this is a Boston team that can beat itself. As long as Miami stays mentally tough, I'm like, Boston will have some lapses, as we've seen so far this postseason and in game one. So uh, the Heat, you know, they're, they're a threatening team. So it would not surprise me at all if they end up winning the series some kind of way. Absolutely. Again, Eric Moody joining us here on Bet LA, uh, doing a, a deep dive and a preview into game two, the Miami Heat. And the Boston Celtics coming your way tomorrow. Uh, the Heat getting nine. The over-under is 215 and a half. Uh, I'm going to throw out some prop bets out there that I do like. Uh, Jimmy Butler 
uh, Jimmy Buckets is uh, you uh, so on point called him over under 28 and a half points. I, I, you got to go over there. I mean, dude's been a complete beast and I, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't expect, even though, you know, he, he played obviously well in, in game one. I still, I don't see this Boston Celtics team double teaming him like the Knicks did. Do you, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm still going to go over here at 28 and a half points. Yeah, I would still go over. I'm like Jimmy Butler. I'm like, he's a veteran. I'm like, if he's double teamed, I'm like, he still knows how to thrive, but it also presents uh, presents an opportunity for him to get his teammates more involved. But just knowing Boston's mentality defensively, I'd, I'd be really surprised to see them make an adjustment and double team him because we know Butler's talented enough to make them pay if they choose to do so. Uh, this is really interesting. I came across this stat, and and that is uh, the Miami Heat top two in the NBA in creating turnovers, opponent turnovers, and both Tatum and Brown horrific against the Miami Heat uh, in regard to turnovers. Tatum had four in game one, Brown had six in game one. Um, and so the team as a whole uh, had a, a number a, a number of turnovers. Uh, but nonetheless, over two and a half turnovers for both Tatum and Brown. I played it in one in game one. I'm going to continue to play it and hopefully win in game two. Your thoughts? No, I really like that, Anita, because you look at the usage rates of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're very high, and they do have a tendency to turn the ball over. We all know how locked down Miami can be on defense. No, uh, I'm, I'm locked up with you. I love it. And last but not least, Marcus Smart over points and assists have been an ATM for me. Uh, <laughs> right now it sits at 19 and a half. He had in game one, uh, he had 13 points and 11 assists. Uh, I'm going to continue to play it. You know, it's it's kind of like, you know, you're at the roulette table and you just keep on putting money on black. Um, any any prop bets out there based on what you saw in game one that you would dabble in in game two? Yeah, well, I know we talked about Jimmy Butler. So I do like Butler if we're looking at over uh, points plus assists, you know, plus rebounds. So depending on what adjustments the, the Celtics make, um, like he can be more active as a facilitator or a rebounder or as a scorer. So I do like that one. Uh, one player on the Celtics, uh, if I'm looking at prop bets, that I do like is for uh, Robert Williams uh, to surpass uh, points plus rebounds. I can't recall what that line is right now, but points plus rebounds, you know, that's one prop bet that I'm eyeing. And also like your Marcus Smart recommendation, too, because he was someone in the first half of game one that played really well. And I'm scratching my, my head while I'm watching the game thinking, like, why don't they – why don't they have Smart be more like involved? I'm like, I felt like he was like on a milk carton in game uh, in the second half of game one. So I could see them remedying uh, remedying that, or fixing that in game two. So. Um, before we let you go, the uh, the ping pong balls popped around, and wouldn't you know it, the Spurs yet again get the number one overall pick, <laughs> and everybody is uh, expecting them to uh, draft Victor. Wimbanyama, I, 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 it's going to take me a minute to uh, to pronounce that properly. You could wager that he's going to win Rookie of the Year right now at minus two twenty five. Not too much juice. It's money making money. Um, I say run to the window, don't walk. What say you? <laughs> yeah, no, I really like Wimby uh, to win uh, the Rookie of the Year awards. I would make that bad. I'm like, you look at the landing spot. I'm like, he couldn't be in a better situation than joining the Spurs. I'm like, he's going to be the top option there. He's got. You know, Greg Popovich's uh, masterful guidance, we'll say. He's going to be able to showcase, like, his full potential. You know, watching him on film, I'm like, he's, I'm like, he's a once-in-a-lifetime prospect. 
But I just believe, like, if he would have landed with, say, the Detroit Pistons or the Houston Rockets, I'm like, Wimby's ascent might have been slower, but he's in the perfect landing spot in San Antonio. We all know the success that the franchise had uh, back in the late 90s when they picked up uh, Tim Duncan, who was playing alongside uh, David Robinson, you know, on the tail end of his Mm -hmm. career at that time. We saw how dominant that Spurs team was. And I'll kind of leave you with this, like with the impact that uh, Wimby could have. Uh, I'm going to go go back in history here. So the Spurs – had a 20-62 and 62 record uh, during the 1996-1997 season. David Robinson was injured most of that season. So you look at San Antonio, they drafted Duncan. The following season, like they won 56 games. I know the, the West is very competitive, but I would be shocked. And, and don't be surprised, I'd say, if, if Wimby has that type of an impact on the Spurs team. So I would definitely make that bet on Rookie of the Year. Definitely look at some of the win totals as well. So I'm really excited to see how uh, this young man's career develops, uh, especially with Greg Popovich and his team. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to the Spurs. Boy, they did it again. Eric, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Now we've got a good 30-plus minutes, our fill of the NBA. When we get back, I'm going to dive into some of the futures odds that are out there. Uh, I'll share those with you. And who am I rolling on? We'll do that next right here on Bet LA 710 ESPN. KSPN AM 710 Los Angeles. KRDC AM 1110 Pasadena, Los Angeles. 710 ESPN. A good karma brand's radio station. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. Welcome back to Bet LA. Nita Marks with you. We just heard from Andy Kamenetsky as well as Eric Moody talking all things NBA. Let's talk about what's out there in regards to the futures market, okay? Uh, so conference winners right now, the Denver Nuggets, if you feel the Denver Nuggets are going to win this whole damn thing, minus 260. The Lakers plus 220, okay? Um, as for the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics, Celtics to win, minus two t- 210. The Miami Heat to win plus one seventy. You know, it, here's here's what's interesting about both these these um, series, right? And that is, uh, for the Denver Nuggets, you know, as as what's been broadcast and in, in, in what's been talked about is just you know their home record and how good they are at home. Out of the four teams remaining, the Denver Nuggets, uh, you know, still the one that that really just protects home court advantage better than anyone else. Right, that's going to be a tough climb uh, for the Lakers. Obviously, as for the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat, why I feel that right now, if I was going to wager on any of these, um, it would be the Miami Heat at plus one seventy. Why? You don't have that home court uh, dominance from the Boston Celtics as we've seen uh, with with other teams throughout the postseason. First and foremost, the Miami Heat as well. Uh, it's really, uh, their story is really unbelievable. Think about it. They come in as the eighth seed. They upset the one seed with the Bucks, as, you know, as the team, of course, having to travel and in, 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 in the Bucks having that home court advantage. And then they, and then they upset the Knicks, the Knicks having the home court advantage. Yeah. Throw that out the window. And then now going up against a Boston Celtics team with all due respect, um, you know, has been not the most consistent team throughout the postseason. I, I, a part of me feels like, all right, you know, some, some nights they show up, some nights they do not, right? I just, I, I think there's a lack of consistency there with the Boston Celtics. Is it a light switch that when 
Tatum wants to switch it on, right? Uh, he can. Yeah, you know what? Uh, that's a possibility. We saw him do it in that last game against the 76ers, which uh, game number seven, which allowed them to, of course, advance uh, and, and head to this Eastern Conference championship that he's taking, that they're taking on the Miami Heat. But I just, I feel like this Heat team, I, I'm just, th- there, is, there is a consistency there. Uh, there is magic. When you talk to teams who've won championships before, they all tell you, like, there's something special. There is a camaraderie. There's a team chemistry. There's something special there that has helped them get to where they're at and win a championship. And I think we're witnessing that right now with this Miami Heat team in regard to the team culture, the cohesiveness, the fact that you have arguably the best coach in Eric Spolstra, who's coaching this team along with Pat Riley behind the curtain, uh, regardless. I think there's something special here with this Miami Heat team and Jimmy Butler uh, just being a superhero throughout the postseason. Talk about consistency. Boy, there's been no player who's been who's delivered more consistently than Jimmy Butler, that's for sure. So, so out of in regard to, um, you know, r- right now, if 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 I was going to lay a futures bet in regard to who's going to win their West or their East matchup, right now it would be the Miami Heat at plus one twenty. Now let's go one step further. I, I'm sure Laker fans don't want to hear this, but I do have this Denver Nuggets team winning this. Um, winning the series against the Lakers. Again, I'm sure Lakers fans do not want to hear that from me, and I totally understand all the reasons why. Um, but um, So right now you can wager that the Nuggets are going to win the championship at plus 150. Boston is at plus 150. The Lakers are at 5-1. to one. The Miami Heat is at 8-1. to one. So how if, if I was going to play some futures bets, how would I do that? I would look at the Denver Nuggets... Um, and, and, you know, full disclosure, I've already, I've, I've already laid, I've already gone to the window with the Denver Nuggets before the postseason even began. I I just, here's the thing. I'm, I'm out here in, in, in New York. People don't stay up that late to watch West coast basketball. They just don't. So I think there's a lot of people who didn't understand or realize just how good this Denver Nuggets team is. And so, um, but it's my job to watch all the NBA. And so I did. And so I, 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 I put money down on this Denver Nuggets team to win the championship even like before they were just getting no respect at all from the odds makers because it was about the Bucks, It was about the Boston Celtics, right? So, uh, so now at, at plus 150, are those some good odds? Uh, probably not. Uh, but if you haven't made a futures bet, that's how I would roll. I would also throw a little bit of coin on the Miami Heat at 8-1. Why not? Like I said, there is something magical happening with this Miami Heat team and uh, in this Miami Heat run in the postseason. And I do believe that they are going to win the series against the Boston Celtics. So some future bet out there, some futures bets out there for you um, to dabble into as uh, as it's just still just early on uh, in in the Eastern Conference uh, championships that's for sure all right when we come back uh we're gonna hear from greg wasinski the puck daddy getting you ready for some hockey four teams still remaining in the nba well guess what there's still four teams remaining in the nhl and uh and we'll break that down for you getting ready getting you ready for some weekend hockey as well right here on bet la 710 espn this is bet la with anita marks right now let's get back to bet la and back to anita marks 
Welcome back to Bet LA. Anita Marks with you. And uh, we got to talk some hockey. Earlier this week, Greg Wyshynski, a.k.a. the Puck Daddy, was kind enough to join me uh, on my Bet Digital show to preview the remaining four. We have four remaining in the NBA. Well, guess what? we got four remaining in the NHL. So we've got the Florida Panthers going up against the Carolina Hurricanes, the Dallas Stars going up against the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Shout out to LV, baby. Uh, so Greg Wyshynski joins me to look big picture in how both these series could end up and, of course, crown a Stanley Cup champion. Let's listen in. We are going to get you ready for the NHL playoffs, and uh, we've got four teams remaining. Greg Wyshynski, a.k.a. the Puck Daddy, joins us on the show, and Bernardo Ozuna will join us as well, getting you ready for the big fight on Saturday. But let's start with the Puck Daddy. How you doing? Man, one of the busiest men at ESPN, that's for sure. Let's start first and foremost in the East. I'll call them my Florida Panthers. I'm from Miami. Why not, right? Uh, They were the last to make it into the playoffs, and now they're still one of the remaining standing four. Really unbelievable. Small dog in this series compared to, of course, uh, where the Bruins as well as the Maple Leafs were, getting plus 115, almost a pick So with that being said, who do you like in this series between the Panthers and the Canes, Greg? Gotta tell you, I don't want to disappoint the Miami locals. You still got the heat, but I think the Hurricanes are winning this series against the Panthers. The Canes, uh, I mean, I've seen them play against the Devils and the Islanders. They are the best defensive team in these playoffs. Uh, Really good on whole ice. 28-10-3 during the regular season. 8-3 in the playoffs. They're almost unbeatable at home, especially in the playoffs. Uh, It's going to be a tough series, a a well-played series. They both kind of like to do the same sort of things. But in the end, I do like the Hurricanes to advance to the Stanley Cup final. All right, so let's really, let's go one step. By the way, I I, I love the new do. Looking really good, Greg. Uh, Let's go one step (laughs) further. Let's talk about the exact series finishes and how you would play them. Right? So you've got like the Hurricanes, you believe that they're going to win. Are they going to go the distance? Is it going to be seven? Is it going to be six? Uh, Is it going to be five? Look at those odds. How are you playing it, Greg? Well, the chalk is seven, and I think seven's the number. I mean, this is going to be a really tight series. Like I said, both teams like to play the same way. Dump the puck out fast, win puck battles. It's not about puck possession for these teams. It's about winning those battles for the puck. Two goalies that are hot. I mean, Bobrovsky for the Panthers. The, the Leafs got goalied last round with the way that he played in games one and two. And Freddie Anderson has been great for the Hurricanes as well. So I see this being a marathon. I, I do think the Hurricanes' home ice advantage in the end could be the big differentiation between the two. But I can see this thing going seven. All right, so let's turn our attention to the West, where we know the Golden Knights, they now advance. Um, where they were the dog in the last series against Edmonton. A lot of people thought Edmonton was going to win that series. Obviously, they did not. Um, they won that series 4-2. And your Dallas Stars, I still remember we had you on bet. You like <laughs> Dallas coming into the playoffs. They're plus 115 right now. Uh, let's take a look at how this exact series could finish. Curious if you're still feeling Dallas like you did at the start, the onset of the playoffs. Uh, but the Gold Knights win in seven. You can see those numbers there, um, as well as uh, in six. Dallas Stars to win in six at plus 450. I don't know. I'm kind of feeling that that's might, that might be where you roll. So how are you playing this series, Greg? It's going to be big D over Sin City, I can tell you that, and I think it's going to happen in six games. Look, the Golden Knights have had an amazing playoff run, and they're very tough to beat at home, but 
The Dallas Stars present a much diff more difficult problem for them at 5-on-5 five five at even strength. Winnipeg, pushover. Edmonton can't figure themselves out at 5-on-5. Five five. Dallas is a great 5-on-5 five five team. I think that's an advantage for the Stars. The other huge advantage, obviously, no, no secret here, it's in goal. The Vegas Golden Knights are rolling with Aiden Hill. They're, all their goalies are hurt right now. Jake Ottinger for the Dallas Stars. Only goalie left in the playoffs. He started at least 55 games in the regular season. He had a subpar series against the Seattle Kraken by his own admission. I think he bounces back big time in the series. And finally, Anita, the Pete DeBoer factor. The guy got fired by Vegas last summer. He goes to Dallas, coaches the Stars. As we've talked about before, Pete DeBoer, first year in San Jose, first year in Jersey, Stanley Cup final. First year in Dallas, same story. All right, uh, let's uh, let's dive even further into you know the guys on the ice and those who have been really the stars, not the Dallas Stars, but the stars of the postseason and who we think is going to win the Stanley Cup MVP right of the finals. And let's take a look because you've got Sebastian at the top of the list at six to one. Uh, those are the best odds right now. You've got Eichel at six to one. Your favorite dude out of Florida. Uh, Kachuk is sitting there at 7-1. So uh, who do you feel is going to take home this hardware? All right, so going with my theory that it's Dallas and Carolina, I'm going to give you two names. One is Rupe Hintz of the Dallas Stars. We ran our Con Smythe watch on ESPN.com today in which I reach out to writers that might end up being voters for this award to kind of check their temperature. And Hintz was the first overall guy out of all four teams in our Con Smythe watch. So he's leading Dallas in points and goals. Uh, he's been an outstanding player for them, has nine goals in the postseason, uh, and has scored big goals too. Scored in game seven against the Kraken uh, to get the scoring going there. So he's one to definitely watch if you think the Stars make the final. Carolina, I'm going to go with Brent Burns. He's a long shot right now in the Con Smythe odds, but he's a defenseman. Defensemen have won this award in two of the last three seasons. He's only two points off the lead for Sebastian Ajo for the team scoring lead, and he's logging the most minutes. I, a really well-liked player, too. Don't forget that factor. Who do we want to see win the MVP? It could be Brent Burns at the end of the day. All right, last but not least, let's talk big picture in regards to how we see the Stanley Cup ending up series-wise. Okay, uh, and there's some really good odds here. So I'm really curious how you feel that this is going to play out, right? Uh, at the top, obviously, the odds makers believe that the Canes and the Golden Knights are going to be the two teams that will face off in the Stanley Cup. Uh, Canes over the Golden Knights plus 450, Golden Knights over the Canes plus 475. How are you rolling here, Greg? Well, I'm not a guy that loves to cover all his bases, but I'm telling you, Carolina over Dallas, Dallas over Carolina. You're going to make some money either way. I think that's going to be your Stanley Cup final. I lean a bit towards Carolina in the final. I got to tell you, I mean, like I said, their defense alone is, is the reason to back them, and they just keep on scoring offensively despite missing some guys to injury. But either of those scenarios I see playing out, so sprinkle a little bit on both. Fantastic. Great stuff as always. Uh, it's going to be fun to see who advances and needless to say, a really great, I'm anticipating a really great Stanley Cup Finals. Greg, thank you so much. I'm sure we'll see you again on Bet very soon. All right, I want to thank Greg Wyshynski for joining me on that Bet program, getting you ready for the NHL postseason, four teams remaining there, as well as, of course, four teams remaining in the NBA. Hang tight. We come back. We kick off hour number two next. You're listening to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN.